Hello and welcome back to our podcast, Captivated Audience. Here to, together with Sam Sheen, as always, Marie Lundberg. Today we're going to talk about another acronym, an acronym NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And we have two guests with us today. First of all is John Paul Eaton and Ricky Verdi. Welcome. Thank you. And thank you, Sam and Murray, for inviting us to be involved. Offering a brief introduction and background would be useful. So please. I feel I w- became absorbed by finance or anti-financial crime by spending far too much time with you both. And that coupled with a commitment to having a positive global impact, I now utilize my skill set to create immersive and engaging environments to educate and connect fin crime professionals. For the past two years, I have served FinTrail, a global FinCrime consultancy, and the FinTech FinCrime Exchange, affectionately known as the FFE, which is a global community of anti-financial crime professionals working for FinTechs united in the fight against financial crime. Many of the skills I utilize to build long-term relationships and create valuable experiences I have gained from my study of neuro-linguistic programming. In short, NLP is a technology used to model excellence. And given the new business unusual, there's lots of value that can be found in the tools and techniques NLP teaches. And on that note, I am delighted that we're joined by one of my good friends, teachers and mentor, Ricky Verdi. Thank you, JP. Uh, An absolute pleasure for uh, being invited here today and sharing my thoughts and experiences around how NLP can help us during this unprecedented time. One thing that is for sure um, is my experience over the last 10 years of practicing NLP has served me extremely well when it comes to not only helping my clients, whether that be individually or collectively as teams, that it also helps me with myself and also with my family. Ricky, we've spoken to a number of people on this podcast, and it's interesting how the comments have changed since the first week we started. We've had the novelty period, we move now into the this is really happening period. And you're starting to feel a bit of prickliness now for both the staff and supervisors in terms of how do we keep this thing going and keep on good terms? What are you hearing from some of your clients? It's a very good question, actually, because as you just mentioned, at the very beginning, uh, that novelty of working from home where you may have had somebody in the workplace thinking, you know, I wish my boss would let me work from home. You know, I'm, I'm pushing for this. I'm trying to get it. And now they're working from home. So for the first week, maybe two weeks, there is that novelty. And then they realize, well, actually, now that I'm working from home, all those things that I thought were going to be great um, were great at the beginning. But now they're starting to feed into little nuances that I'm not enjoying. The dynamics of how you're working with your manager or your supervisor, whoever it might be, there's a little there's a little shift in the expectations. And when those expectations change, you start to shift your own expectations of yourself and you become a little bit uncomfortable. So one of the things that I'm sharing with some of my clients is how do we refocus our attention during the moments where we do feel a little bit agitated? And we're hearing words such as feeling anxious, feeling stressed, etc. And that's that's key at the moment is recognizing our own behaviors during this time. Ricky, as you were saying, this is unprecedented times. We have not experienced a pandemic or a lockdown in this massive ways before. That builds 
on, you were saying, anxiety. And I can only imagine also coming back to people that have not been working for long. Uh, this might be their first full, full-time job. Uh, they have not built up that experience. They are used to having their colleagues at their back and call to ask those quick questions. Any tips for them when it comes down to anxiety issues? Yeah, it's focusing on the now. That's the, the, the quickest way is to focus on the now. You see, with anxiety, one thing that plays on your mind is the, well, we call it the unknown. Some people talk about the unknown. I would say that your anxiety comes from your high levels of imagination. You're creating a lot of imaginative and creative thoughts of things and scenarios that may never happen. Whilst you begin to entertain that, what you end up doing is what we call in NLP, start to hallucinate. You start to hallucinate scenarios. What we want to do is focus on what's actually happening now, how you're actually operating in the current moment, how you're currently thinking, how you're currently feeling, and how you're currently behaving. The closer you get to your behavior in the present moment, the better you'll feel about this anxiousness. And I can talk some more a little bit later about how we relabel some of these feelings. That can put a lot of stress towards uh, managers or to, to different team leaders or, or whatever, because now they have to manage not only just, you know, getting the, the business up and running and, and, and trying to keep a sort of like, okay, steady going. But then again, you have to manage people probably in a different way. You do. And that comes down to expectations, which I've touched upon, and communication. So how are we communicating with ourselves? So what are the questions that we're asking ourselves? And then how are we communicating to manage the expectation of our people? You see, if you don't define your expectation with others, how are they expected to understand what you expect? So what we must do is get very close to being clear with what our intention is behind the activity, the expectation and the end goal of each day with our people. That way we get the space and the awareness within our people to operate at high performance And also, when they don't feel at high performance, to come to you and say, this is how I'm feeling and this is the situation that I'm currently in. Can you help me? John Paul, you are now heavily exposed to the financial crime professional community. And it's been an interesting ride, hasn't it, in terms of you get people who are quite big sticklers about nine to five, and then you go way over on the other side and you have really innovative people who are night owls. People are trying to grasp some sort of routine or normality, but they can tend to be a bit misguided about it. You know, what are your thoughts about our community and how they might be able to deal with this a bit better? Yeah, I think certainly there's uh, lots of adjustment being made. People are or have been very used to the, the social constructs of the workplace, i.e. the nine to five. That is because it is a routine and human beings, we, uh, we do very well when we have routine. We don't do so well when there's uncertainty like we have now. And we also don't do well when we are stationary and idle. And for some people, being isolated can kind of enhance that sense of feeling. So I think just 
looking at what noise has been out there, there's been a lot of focus around, oh, we must use this opportunity to learn. We must use this opportunity to exercise. We must use this opportunity to be uh, more productive. And there's lots out there that um, effectively creates a environment where people will often start making comparisons. And Ricky touched upon managing your own thoughts and your hallucinations, looking at what others are doing is something that isn't necessarily the most resourceful way to spend your time. It was very important or still is very important to take your time to settle in to the new business as usual. Very much take some time to internalize your focus. Uh, look at look within for some answers to one find the the best way in which you work and also to uh, find your flow when working. And this goes back to your point, Sam, about pe some people being night owls. And so uh, having this opportunity to, for people to understand their circadian rhythms. So when they uh, have the most amount of energy to be the most productive they can be, this may not necessarily be between nine to five. This could be later in the evening, but it's very important compounding what Ricky said to have the line of communication open with your manager to share what you've noticed, to share when you feel you work best and then see whether the workplace, the new workplace can be flexible to cater for uh, the new hours of working. Ricky, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I think I love the word that JP used there, which is about resourcefulness. One thing that I talk about, many NLPers will talk about is whether you're being resourceful or unresourceful, rather than saying, actually, are you doing things that are good or bad or positive or negative? I think there's also what I use more commonly, which is, is what you do useful or not useful? You see, when, when you're in a moment of, let's say, low energy, or you get distracted because there are lots of distractions that do take place, if you're going to do that and you feel that what you're doing is bad, you're starting to be unkind to yourself. And you hear this quite often at that moment is be kind to yourself. And how can you be kind? Well, if you get a distraction, recognize it catch yourself out being distracted and take a moment to refocus your attention and not have a go at yourself for being distracted if you continuously have a go at yourself well this will keep compounding and as it compounds you will keep starting yourself i'm not being productive too distracted i can't work like this and every time you start feeding yourself with these thoughts actually it'll feed into your feelings and then it'll feed into your behavior what I was talking about before, which is your feelings that are labeled are your emotions. And I feel that a lot of people are yet to understand how they can relabel that feeling that they have in their body to change their emotions. So we call it reframing. And as you change the emotion, you unlock other thoughts, you unlock other experiences and decisions, and you'll start to notice your behavior change. You see, there's a whole piece around we've got to be positive. We've got to be really, really positive at the moment and look for you know, the glass half full as an example. Well, yes, I get that and I understand that. Yet positive thinking that doesn't lead to positive action is not really positive. It's an hallucination again. So what we must do is think about actually how do we behave? Because that is really the only thing that is real. Everything else is very abstract, very conceptual. The beauty of that is that you can change it.
we know there's a lot of pressure, particularly on the senior managers who are dealing with financial crime functions. So what advice can we give the people who actually receive perhaps that not quite so happy communication or who feels that they're being the subject of someone who's, say, micromanaging them and they, they know that's probably not the way they behave at work, but they, they still have to get through the day and they still have to deal with them and interact with them. Yeah, I think Ricky's already mentioned the phrase uh, managing your state. We spoke about it in terms of energy, but there's also managing your state in terms of reaction. One of, let's say, the presuppositions of NLP is every reaction is an overreaction. So if you notice a feeling where you may be getting angry or irritated or frustrated, first notice it and then to kind of take a step back and pause. That pause then allows you to kind of hijack that engagement. And then you can start asking yourself more resourceful questions about how is it best that I respond to this? It's also taking a step back to, we call it perceptual positions. So taking a step back to the third person and being the observer and then observing the interaction as the third person to go, right, if I saw my, let's say my friend in this situation, what advice would I give my friend is a nice way to frame it. Or if I was a fly on the wall, what would the fly see and how would the fly uh, give me advice to react? for example. That way you can take remove yourself from the, the, the confrontation, if you will, and you'll be able to uh, offer yourself a more resourceful response. What I, what I would love to add here, a few techniques on how people can take away ways in which they can dissociate. So what JP is alluding to there is dissociation, and that's moving yourself away from your thoughts and your feeling. So I share two questions uh, with my clients, and I have done for many years, and it allows those individuals to step away. And I call them meta questions. So the first question is, how do you think about the way that you think? So I'll repeat that. How do you think about the way that you think? And the second question is, how do I feel about the way that I feel? So let's just take the second one as an example. Let's say I feel a little bit angry at the moment, and I ask myself that question. And I say, well, actually, I'm quite angry that I'm angry. So what you then begin to do is start to think about, okay, right. Now I'm feeling a little bit angry about the fact that I'm angry. I can ask myself the next question, which is, is that useful? So not, is it positive, positive or negative? Is it useful? And the answer would be no. And then I'll have conversations in our heads all the time. Is to then ask yourself, well, what would be more useful? And then you take it from there. You think about alternative ways of thinking. Remember, you can't always control the first thought or first feeling, but you can always control the second thought and second feeling. Uh, another strategy is to break a state by breathing and changing your physiology. They are the two quickest ways for anybody. Now, your unconscious mind, when you're sitting at your desk and you've been there a long time, will say you need a toilet break or you need to go grab a coffee. Yet that's the unconscious telling you at a certain point of boredom or actually uh, you're feeling lethargic. If you feel that you're not high performing, you can break that state yourself consciously by changing the way you breathe. That could be three deep breaths or it could be simply to move. And that could be to stretch at the beginning or get up and move around. That will allow you to refocus your attention. Remember, it's okay to lose your attention every so often. You'll burn out otherwise. And then you refocus your mind, come back to what you're doing, and then you can carry on in a high-performing state. So there's a couple of techniques there. One is the, the questions to ask yourself, the meta questions. And then if you want to break your state quickly, shift your breathing and shift your physiology. Certainly look into a conscious breathing practice 
as a fantastic first step when it comes to managing their state when in isolation. So I, I go back to the noise that we saw or that I spoke about earlier. Um, there's a lot around meditation and yoga, and this is a great opportunity to start those uh, practices. It is actually a wonderful first step to actually focus internally, use the breath to do so. It changes your state, it changes your physiology, it changes your chemical makeup. It allows you to build resist resilience and create new resources, especially helping with anxiety. The pressure of constantly now being on video, constantly seen. Marie, I think what you're referring to here is what has become known colloquially as the proof of life syndrome, that yeah. you have to keep your face somehow on the screen to prove that you really are listening, that you yeah. really are paying attention, right? But then again, the body then screams for that coffee break, open the door, get some fresh air or whatever, just to actually refocus, as you were saying. It's a, it's a great question about people being on live video often because it will amplify insecurities as well. So if somebody doesn't like to see the way that they appear, they don't want to be on a live video, then those in insecurities will amplify. What people have to think about is actually we're all in the same boat. Everybody will have things that they, they love to do. There are some people who like to sit back. It will come back to how the managers and leaders manage the expectations of those individuals again and because expectations are your beliefs what will happen is this insecurity that people might have of being on video it will pass because they'll realize that nobody really cares nobody really cares deep down whether or not you look a certain way the question you need to be asking yourself is are you present are you adding value are you contributing and how you look is irrelevant. Gentlemen, we could go on for another hour, I'm absolutely certain. But before we sign off, if anyone listening wants to reach out to you and find out more about NLP and, and how it can help, how can they get a hold of you? Sure. You can reach me at Raising Your Game, which is on Instagram, so at Raising Your Game. Uh, you can find me on my website, which is www.raisingyourgame.co.uk. Or you can find me on LinkedIn under Ricky Birdie. Feel free to connect. I'm happy to answer any questions that you've got and support you through this time. Well, on that note, thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you, Marie. If you have any great ideas you'd like to share with us for a future podcast, or even if you'd like to take part, feel free to reach out to us on our website, captivatedaudience.eu or just drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe. There'll be some changes made today. There'll be some changes made.